Acts chapter 24, I'm going to read uh, beginning at verse 14. But this I confess unto thee, that after the way, everybody say the way, which they call heresy, so worship I the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets. I have hope toward God, which they themselves also allow, that there shall be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. And herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. Amen. You may be seated. I want to talk to you a little bit about this thought. What will the evidence be? What will the evidence be? One of the most important aspects of our walk with God is consistency. The Bible said that in patience... Possess ye your soul. That word patience there is translated consistency. There's no more uncomfortable life than have to always be looking over your shoulder because you've wronged someone or you've lied to someone. Or you've made up a story about somebody. It's, it's, a strange, it's a strange thing about humanity for the most part. Somehow we feel like that we have to degrade someone else to elevate ourselves. And I want you to realize tonight that The world is watching you with a critical eye. And I I might just say this to you, that if you don't have critics, you're probably not doing something right. If you don't have folks that are talking against you as a Christian then you probably aren't producing the evidence that you are one. Just stay with me just a little bit. I know this will be a little strange, but Paul, Paul is in a fight. He's on his way to trial. But Paul is not worried about the trial. Because Paul knows the kind of life that he's led up to this point. You need to know something today that we're living in a time where the church is getting ready to go on trial like never before. We have been tested in the last year and a half like never before, but it's only beginning. Please hear me when I tell you that... Where you stand as a child of God, particularly an apostolic child of God, is going to be tested. 
And your foundation better not be based upon what your pastor knows or what your church believes. But there better be something in your life that produces the evidence that says, no matter what you say about me, no matter the accusations that you make, no matter what charges you bring, I still stand on the truth of the Word of God. I've lived my life from then until now, and there's nothing that you can charge against me except that I believe in God. They charged Paul. They said he's a, he's a pestilent fella. He tried to cause a riot. He's the ringleader of a sect called the Nazarenes. And he profaned the temple. It's the charges that they made. First of all, you need to know something. Paul didn't cower down under the pressure of false accusation. Paul was not moved or disturbed or shaken by the charges. In fact, Paul was so brazen to say, they can't prove that. They can't prove that. If, 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 if he is so sure that that's the case, bring on the evidence. Come on, somebody. I, I, I'm telling you, and I realize... I realize that, that uh, um, I do have a little bit of a reputation to, to kind of live out there on the edge a little bit with some things, but I, I'm just going to tell you something. When I tell you this, you, you, can, you can mark it down. You can even put a date on it if you want to. But I'm telling you that it from the greatest to the least is about to be tested in the church. The Lord spoke to me some time ago and he said that this last, this end time church, this last thrust of revival, this is going to sound kind of counterproductive, but this last thrust of end time revival is going to minimalize the church. What do you mean, Bishop? God's fixing to call out, not call out, call out. He's fixing to take out those that are only Christian in name. They call Republicans that are not really Republicans rhinos. I guess we could call those sinos. Christian in name only. Crinos. I'm telling you that there's getting ready to be a separation. You, you can mark it down. 
I'm telling you it's going to happen. And if you have not lived for God consistently every day of your life and poured yourself in and poured the kingdom into you, that when that day comes, there will be a time where you're going to have to be able to say, I am one of them and I've got proof that I'm one of them or there is no evidence in my life that I am one of them. So Paul's not really shaken by the accusations. He's, he's not really moved by the accusations. He denies, in fact, all the charges but one. And this is what he says. After the way, I worship God. Now, that term, the way there, was a much more common term in that day for the followers of Jesus Christ than the word Christian. The word Christian is only used twice in Acts and three times in the whole Bible. Antioch, where disciples were first called Christians, and Agrippa said to Paul, almost Thou persuadest me to be one of you. Now, that ought to really be our goal as Christians, as people of God, is to persuade others to be Christians. But the way is used six times in Acts to describe the followers of Jesus Christ. The term probably is born out of John 14 and 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh to the Father but by me. Paul said, I want to tell you what I believe. I believe in the way to God. I am guilty. There is evidence in my life. There is evidence in my ministry. There is evidence in my past that I believe in the way of God. There ought to be no greater priority in your life tonight than to say, I believe in the only way to God. What is that? It's repentance. Baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. It's being filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. It's walking a life that's separated from the world. Watch me. It's walking and living a life that is void of offense. Please hear me right now. There is a spirit that's rampant and it's invaded the church. It's the spirit of offense. Folks get offended at a word that's spoken. You know, one of the things that, that I, uh, I found out about the Word of God, particularly from my, my standpoint in preaching the Word of God, I very rarely, if ever, preach to an individual. Yet the Word of God goes forth and there are those that get offended 
because the preacher was preaching at them. There's an old saying that goes like this, if the shoe fits, wear it. Amen. If the Word of God hits you where you are, then just accept it as the love of God, sending the Word of God, caring enough about you and your soul that a man of God would speak the Word of God and get you to turn from that way to keep you from being lost and going to hell. But that as a child of God... It must be a goal of ours to live and walk a life that is void of offense. You hear us say it often around here. But there's no one or nothing worth going to hell over. Let me say it again. There's no one or nothing Worth going to hell over. Amen. If somebody offends you, let it be their problem. Come on, I know you don't like that. But if somebody says something that offends you, let it be their problem. Turn it over to Jesus. I heard a preacher, heard a preacher preach many, many years ago. He said, save them all and let God sort it out. Amen. There comes a time in our lives when we need to quit, quit trying to pick and choose who we want to be a part of our clan, who we want to be a part of our group, and just say, God, this is your body, and God, I refuse. I refuse to live a life full of offense. My heart will be full of forgiveness. My life will give evidence that I am a forgiver and a lover of souls. Hey, they said, Paul, you, you, you tried to start a riot over there. He said, oh, no. He said, I'm guilty of one thing. He said, I've got faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. He believed all things that were written, the Bible said, in the law and the prophets. Paul was no doubt making references to the many prophecies that were concerning the Jews. He, he always spoke to Jews from their own scriptures. He could prove that Jesus was the Messiah from their scriptures. Jesus, with his disciples on the road to Emmaus, the Bible said that as they walked along, there were, within the law and prophets, he began to help them to understand there were 300 prophecies concerning Jesus fulfilled by him. They all came to pass. And Paul said, I'm only guilty of believing, having faith in Jesus Christ, 
and believing all things that were written by the law and the prophets. He said, I'm guilty. The evidence is that in my life, I have hope toward God that there will be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. Please hear me, church. There are some things in your life that you just don't need to get bogged down with. The most important thing that you can do in your life is to live your life according to the Word of God and the laws of God. The most important thing that you can do is to be like Jesus. Let the evidence, when it's all said and done, let the evidence say, I can find no fault in them because their life has been centered around living for Jesus Christ and being what He was and what He expected His people to be. It's, I told you a while ago, I, I've dealt with a few people in my ministry through the years that were, um, let, let me just say this, consistent liars. I, I know that's not, that's probably not politically correct, but when you start lying, when you start being deceptive, first of all, Let me just tell you this, that there's some really smart people in this room. There's some really intuitive people in this world, in this room. There's some people that have discernment in this room. And I'm going to tell you something. When you have a, when there is evidence in your life. That you don't tell the truth, people know when you're not telling the truth. Well, I don't understand why people don't have confidence in me. I don't understand why I can't have a ministry, why I can't minister to others. People know. I said people know when you're real and when you're not. That's why Living a life that's consistent to be truthful and forthright is so important as a child of God. Because the day will come when you will be presented with the opportunity to present the evidence in your life. And if you've done all that you can to be forthright and truthful, you don't have to be afraid. When you're put on trial. (laughs) Paul walked into that place called Pretoria. He said, listen. I want you to understand something. I believe there's going to be a resurrection. It's going to be a resurrection of both the just and the unjust. Watch this. It's, it wasn't anything new. 
Job said, if a man die, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come. Let me just ask you tonight. Can you say that? Is there evidence in your life that says no matter when he comes, if he takes me in my sleep or if he takes me in the rapture or if he takes me some other way, when that day comes, will there be a change in me from the temporary to the eternal? Will you be saved when that day comes? What will the evidence be when you stand before God and God begins to judge you? The Bible said, somebody said, the works aren't important, but the Bible said that we'll be judged according to our works. Isn't that right, Brother Stephen? We're going to be judged according to what we have done. And I want to ask you, What will the evidence be in your life when you stand before God? And then Job said, I know that my Redeemer liveth and shall stand in the latter days on the earth and the worms should destroy his body. Job said, I know That the day will come that in my flesh I will see God. I pray to God that the evidence in my life and your life is such that when we stand before the Lord, we will see him face to face. David, in a tragic time in his life, He had committed sin. He knew that he had committed sin. He didn't resist and reject the prophet of God when he said to him, David, thou art the man. It would have been easy because of his authority and position to lash out at the man of God and say, who does he think he is? Doesn't he know who I am? It wasn't in the heart of David. But David repented. But sadly, even when we repent and there's a past in our life, there are scars that are left from our past. And so the Bible tells us, you know the story, I won't stay there long. But the Bible tells us that the baby that was conceived between David and Bathsheba died. They came to David. They were having a little conversation out there. And David said, the baby's gone, isn't he? Yes, he's gone, David. So the Bible said that David arose washed himself and he worshiped the Lord and they said wait a minute your baby just died 
Surely you've got to be angry with God. Surely somehow you've got to charge God. You're the man after God's own heart. How could this happen to you, David? You should be angry. You should be bitter. But you see the evidence of a man after God's own heart. This is what happens when circumstances present themselves to us that are overwhelming. David said, but now he is dead. Wherefore should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. David said, I've now got to live my life in such a way that at the end of my life, the evidence will permit me to join my baby boy that died because of my shortcoming, because of my failure. I now have got to shift gears. I can't be bitter. I can't be angry. I can't charge God. But there's got to be evidence in my life that I love God more than my circumstance. I love God more than my situation. And then Daniel... In Daniel chapter 12, Scripture said, And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words, seal the book, Even to the time of the end, many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, there stood other two, the one on this side of the bank of the river, and the other on that side of the bank of the river. And one said to the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, How long shall it be to the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen which was upon the waters of the river when he held up his right hand and his left hand unto heaven and swear by him that liveth forever that it shall be for time, times and a half. And when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, all these things shall be finished. And I heard, but I understood not. Then I said, O my Lord, when shall the end of these things? And he said, 
Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed to the time of the end. Many shall be purified and made white and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. And from that time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away, and the abomination that maketh desolate set up, there shall be a thousand and two hundred and ninety days. Blessed is he that waiteth and cometh to the thousand three hundred five and thirty days. But go thy way till the end be, for thou shalt rest and stand in thy lot at the end of the days. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something. There is coming a day when there'll be no more sorrow. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more dying. There'll be no more wickedness. There'll be no more demonic influence. Come on, somebody. There'll be no more sickness. Oh, there'll be no more depression. There'll be no more fear. There'll be no more doubt. But until then, there has to be evidence in our lives that will get us to the other side. going to be a resurrection I like it the writer said in a moment in the twinkling of an eye the trump of God shall sound ha. the trumpet shall sound the last trump I said the last trump there won't be any other opportunity. If the evidence is not there in your life, then it's going to be too late. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. Anybody in the building got aches and pains? Anybody here got a little fear in your life of how all this is going to play out? Let me tell you something. Just keep the evidence in your life that you are one who believes in God and believes in the resurrection of the dead. Come on. You believe in the laws and the prophets. Just keep the evidence in your life. And one of these days, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, the trumpet of God is going to sound, and we're going to leave this side, and we're going to go to the other side. What will the evidence be in your life? New Testament has a lot to say on that subject. Jesus warned of the judgment to come upon sinners and rewards for the saints. Listen, I know, I know we're living in a time where it would be easy 
to bow out. It would be easy to bow out. But listen to me. What will the evidence be in your life? Will you be judged as a sinner? Or you, will you receive the rewards of the saints? You, you've got to understand. You're not ever going to die. Oh, wait a minute, Bishop. Jesus spoke of the dead being in a conscious state. You're either going to live in a place where the streets are paved with gold and the, the gates are pearl and the crystal sea, or you're going to live in a place of eternal torment where the worm dieth not and the fire will lick up your, at your feet day and night. The Bible said you'll be tormented day and night. You're not ever going to go to sleep. You're going to realize you're somewhere. I don't know about you, but I want to wake up in glory. I want to wake up in heaven. I want there to be evidence in my life that when I stand before the Lord, I'll hear him say, Enter in, thou good and faithful servant. Jesus was adamant. He was adamant that there was going to be a resurrection. In fact, he said it like this. I am the resurrection and the life. And Paul, Paul devotes the whole 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians to that idea. The book of Revelation, the fourth chapter, is on that subject. Too many live as though there is no tomorrow. Too many find their lives in, in, in a place of, of dire circumstance where if the Lord were to come today, we're so entrenched in the things of this life that there wouldn't be evidence enough for Him to say, Enter in, thou good and faithful servant. I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to some way get into your mind and your heart tonight to encourage you to strengthen your relationship with God. Watch this now. The end of that 24th chapter that man that came to be put on trial he stands before Felix and he begins to share the light of the gospel with him and the evidence was so strong in Paul's life it was so 
it was so evident of who he was and what he believed. There was no wavering. There was no waffling in where he stood till the place that Felix would look at him and he would leave Paul in a most frustrating place with an unfinished sermon. An unfinished sermon. Because he would say to them, listen, I'll get back to you. Let me, let me, have, let me meet with you at a more convenient time. <laughs> oh, hear me tonight, church. Living for God was never designed to be convenient. From beginning to end, it's always required sacrifice. Sacrifice requires loss. Sacrifice requires pain. Sacrifice requires giving something in return for the blessing of God. Listen, don't think for a moment that he's coming back after you if your arms are empty of sacrifice. If your heart is empty of sacrifice. What are you doing, Paul? Well, I'm going to tell you this. I believe this then and I believe this now. I'm not going to change my mind so whatever you need to do, you just do what you need to do because this is what I'm going to be. The evidence in my life, the evidence in my life is present before you. Listen to me. I'm closing. But as I was, as I was seeking the Lord today, knowing that we were going to be here together tonight, I was prompted by the Spirit of the Lord to send an urgent message and notice to this congregation. The Spirit of the Lord prompted me to tell you that it's not going to be long until evidence is going to be required. In your life. And if there's anything in your life that is contrary to the Word of God and the will of God and the leading of the Spirit of God, God sent me here on this Wednesday night to tell you it's time to unpack everything in your life. That would keep you from being saved. No matter what it is. If it's bitterness, pain, hurt, bad habits, bad attitudes. Feeling as though somebody's always looking over your shoulder. Spirit of offense. Whatever it is, 
God would say to you tonight, it's time to rid yourself of all of those things because I'm coming back and I'm coming back to find out what kind of evidence there is in your life. Let's stand. What will the evidence be? What will it be when you stand before God? And what will it be when you stand before man? Is there enough evidence in your life that they could say of you, that's a Christian, that's a child of God? I want us all across this building right now to lift our hands to the Lord. And I want you right now to just do a little personal search. Not for anybody else, but just you right now. And I'd like for you to ask God to let the evidence in your life be pure. Let the evidence in your life be righteous. Let the evidence in your life be holy. What will the evidence be? Oh God, come on, that's it. God, let us stand before you holy. Let us stand before you righteous. Let us stand before you pure. God, above all else, let us be saved. Don't let there be anything that the enemy could charge us with. Don't let there be anything that man could charge us with. Let us live our lives above reproach so that no man could charge us. And God, most of all, so that you can't charge us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's praise Him together right now.